Hey friends! Most of you know me from my Facebook page, where we do real life. None of that curated, perfect image stuff. We do real. And if you're new, I'm Jaiselyn Wetzel. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, a small business owner, a writer, a mom of four great kids, and a wife to a super supportive guy who encourages my shenanigans in big dreams. And since I'm a big dreamer, I fail a lot. That's what this podcast is about, failure and a whole lot of grace. I'm also a firm believer in boundaries. I set them, I keep them, and I teach others how to do the same while remaining kind to themselves and others. If you're here, it's likely something I've said or written spoke to your spirit. Thank you for trusting me. Now let's get started. Hey guys, long time, no record. Um, I started this podcast shortly before um, my biological dad died and I fully intended on making weekly episodes and just keeping up with it. And then um, my dad died June 17th of 2022. And um, here it is almost a year since he passed. And while I was not very close to my biological father, it has been a really difficult year for me. Um, Mainly because I have been handling my father's estate, fighting with the insurance company, his life insurance company, to release his life insurance so we could pay the funeral home. Um, My dad did not have a will. He did not have really anything in place. He wasn't married. He had a long-term living girlfriend. Um, And that's pretty much the extent of it. We did not have an extremely close relationship. In fact, you probably have not heard me mention my biological father until he passed away and that is because my childhood with him was um what's the word difficult challenging um trauma filled would be the most accurate word I wasn't sure if I was ever actually going to go into detail about the trauma that my biological dad inflicted on me as a child and still some as an adult, but by that point I had distanced myself from him. But I am definitely feeling like it shouldn't be something that is hidden. He was fully aware of the traumas that he caused and he 
actually did apologize to me. And before he passed away, we were working on reconciling our relationship. I spoke with him on probably about a weekly to bi-weekly basis. So it's not as if we didn't speak at all. We just were not close because I had um, very high walls built up. And that was for my own protection and mental health because of the trauma that had been caused throughout my childhood with him. Um, So I've made a lot of mistakes this past year with just dealing with all of this. And one of those mistakes would be not coming and talking about it, like not doing the podcast and like just pushing through and talking about it. And I didn't do the podcast because I wanted to address this. And I just don't think that I was mentally in a space to address it because I was still very angry, not just angry with him, but angry with how things played out shortly after he passed away. Um, So I had a lot of frustration and anger and I was angry because it finally felt like we were starting to round the bend, so to speak, in our relationship. And then he died um, unexpectedly. It was not something that was that we knew was coming. He had been in and out of the hospital, but we didn't know that he did not tell us. The only thing that we knew was that he had gotten into a really bad car accident and it had totaled his car and he was having to, um, he was having to go to the doctor for like back pain and that he was suing the other driver. That's pretty much the only thing that we knew about his health. And I've talked to him about his health because though we weren't close, I didn't want him to like die. Nobody wants their parent to die. Do you want distance and space sometimes? Yes, but I don't know very many people that would be like, I want my father to die no matter what the relationship is with their father. Um, So I had talked to him about his health before, especially after um, my aunt died. And then I spoke with him multiple times about just taking care of himself and getting life insurance after my stepdad died, uh, because I was really close with my stepdad and um he had life insurance and i saw how much easier things were because he kept on top of his life insurance and um when he 
unexpectedly pass away in a motorcycle accident, I saw how much easier it was for my mother to be able to handle things because he had everything in place. So that was really important for me to relay that to my biological father. Because I knew that my mom had stuff in place because my stepdad and her had discussed that before he got into his accident. And um, so I knew that she had everything in place. So I just wanted to make sure that if none of my, my siblings that are my biological father's children as well. I wanted to make sure if nobody was making sure that he had that stuff in place that I was making sure he had it in place because I'm a social worker. So like, that's what I do. So if he didn't have it in place, I would have been able to help him get it put in place, basically. Um, Anyway, so he did have life insurance um he did not have it for the two-year time frame that they require for you to not have to go through any sort of investigation if you die within those two years so that part is what took so long for them to finally release the life insurance so he had been He had, he died June 17th and they did not release the life insurance policy until I think it was two, two weeks ago, I believe is when we first got, like when we got the checks, it was three weeks before that or three weeks ago. Um, the funeral home got their payment finally, uh, and they gave me a call and let me know that they got the payment and sent me all the paperwork saying that everything was paid in full. And once I got that paperwork, my stress level, like, whoa, it went way down once, once we got that paperwork. Um, so then whenever the life insurance policy came i wound up booking the family vacation because my family has never been on a vacation before um not since me and my husband have been married me and my ex-husband took the kids when they were very little to disney world but we couldn't afford to do the entire experience at Disney World, like staying at the resort and all of that because it was too expensive. So we got discounted tickets because he was active duty military at the time. Um, so they Disney has a program. I don't know if they still have it, but they had a program. And I think it was called Here's to the Heroes. And so you got discounted tickets. And that was the only way that we were able to go to Disney. We stayed at like a really cheap hotel. I think it was, um, I don't know. I think it was like the quality in. 
it didn't matter because they had a direct shuttle from that hotel to Disney World. Kids didn't know any different. They were very little. I think they were like, um, the boys were like two and four. And my daughter had to be like eight or nine. So that was the last time we went on a family vacation that wasn't going home to visit family members like it like this was that was the very first family vacation we had ever had and we've not had one since then so the kids have not been on a family vacation that they can actually remember so that was really important to me because my kids saw how hard it was for me this past year and not just not the emotional side about my dad passing though i do wish sometimes that i could call him because that's just something that i had gotten used to doing but it was more of the stress from the estate and the the knowing that the bill from the funeral home was kind of hanging over our heads. Um, the landlord that my dad had lived in that house for 20, 22 years, I believe. And the landlord decided that he was going to try to sue, not sue us, but make a claim against the estate for $21,000, trying to say that my dad. <laughs> owed that much in back rent which obviously i don't think it takes a rocket scientist to know that that's that's a lie nobody is gonna let somebody stay in their house for that long without paying rent um so i was dealing with all of that dealing with attorneys to try and get his car back all of the letters that I was getting from the court that were that were trying to like they the court always sends very intimidating letters instead of asking for something they will tell me that they need a particular um, document and then at the bottom of the letter it'll say you have to send this document by this date and that date is usually within a 14 day range. And then it'll say, if we don't receive this document within that time frame, then we're going to make you come to court for a show cause. So it's like, it was consistent threats from the state of Maryland and the mechanic that refused to give the car back and I had to hire a lawyer, even though like I had the money to pay it. And it was just, oh my gosh, it was so, so frustrating. Um, it was causing me severe anxiety. I was getting depressed. I was crying all the time, just at the drop of a hat, things would make me cry. Or I would get extremely angry. And um, my kids were seeing all of that. I tried to keep it from them 
as best that I could. But when mom's in the bed all the time or being really short and snappy when that's normally not her personality, like they know that that something's going on. And they would hear me on the phone when people from the courthouse would call or the lawyer would call or one of my brothers would call to ask what's going on. So they became acutely aware because they're older. Um, My boys are, well, I have a five-year-old, so he doesn't really know what's going on. He knows something, like he knows something's off whenever I'm upset, but that's pretty much it. But like I have two teenagers, one is 17, one is 15, and then a 23-year-old daughter. So they were very aware of what was happening. And I could feel that they were also taking on my stress because of um, what they were seeing and what they were hearing. Um, It just felt like they were also taking on that stress and going through a lot of those things with me. So it was really important for me to do a family vacation so we could all just have a few days of relaxing and just being around each other and and enjoying not having to worry about things that are looming over our heads. So I booked a family vacation before I paid any bills. That might seem irresponsible to some people, but like I knew that I had the money because I work, obviously, and my husband works. So I knew I had the money to pay all of my bills anyway. So having the life insurance money was just going to be sort of like a bonus so I could pay things off and not just pay the monthly payment. So I went ahead and I booked the family vacation, bought the plane tickets and everything. And we are going to go to Disneyland, not Disney World, because, you know, there are things that are, are happening in Florida that none of us support. So we are going to go to Disneyland and we've got two days at Disneyland. We're going to walk on Hollywood Boulevard and go to Santa Monica Beach and just we're going to go to Universal Studios. We're just going to like do everything we possibly can to just have as much fun as possible in those few days because I just feel like everybody in this house deserves that mental break. Like everybody in this house deserves a mental break. The fact that my husband has continued to be here and show up for me in all of the ways that I need him to and in ways that I didn't even realize I needed him to, that's making me emotional, um, has been amazing. 
and I couldn't have gotten through all of this without him. And my kids checking on me and making sure I'm okay. Those are all things that, like, I know that this year has taken a toll on them. And not just with the estate and, um, <clears throat> sorry, I think it's water. Got all choked up. I got verklempt. Sorry about that. But not just not just the estate stuff and hearing me fight with the insurance, but the fact that I did have to go to the hospital for the heart palpitations. And then I had a very scary mammogram and had to go back to get another mammogram and ultrasounds. And then I had to get the echocardiogram um, for my heart. And then um, we've also been dealing with one of my teenagers having severe depression and all of the things that come along with that. <clears throat> that's not, you know, it's not my story to tell. And I won't share their journey unless they have asked me to do so. But um, it was it was very intense for a while, and things have finally started to smooth out with that. And um, yeah, they just they deserve a break and I deserve a break. So that's what I'm doing. I am ever so appreciative that my dad did listen when I talked to him about making sure that he had life insurance. I'm very appreciative that he listened and that he not only made sure that he had enough to cover his funeral expenses, but also that we had enough left over that we could have a little bit of either vacation money or money to, you know, be debt free as much as we can or money to start a business like he he made sure that there was something left for that and i am grateful for that and i do appreciate that and i recognize that so when it comes to looking at your failures and doing what you can to make a change I do see and recognize that while I was frustrated with my dad and we weren't close and we struggled for most of my life to even have a relationship at all, there were, <clears throat> there were years where I didn't speak to him. Um, there were years, there was, after my stepdad died, I was so angry 
at God and so angry at my biological dad that I just, I didn't speak to my biological dad for a year after my stepdad died because it felt unfair. Um, because my stepdad had been raising me since I was seven and it felt very unfair and the feelings of unfairness came up when my biological died my biological dad died because it was they came back up because like we were finally starting to build something not necessarily a father-daughter relationship but we were starting to build something and it got taken away um just completely unexpected unexpectedly he had a pulmonary embolism and he died and that was that was it so i don't know i don't even know what i think i just wanted to give an explanation on what has been going on this year so i could start this podcast back out on a good solid new slate so people knew like why I disappeared when I was just barely getting started and you know that I'm here um I may not be fully back to like tip-top mental shape (laughs) but I'm trying I'm trying to get there. I'm doing more things to take care of myself. And I am just not, I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm just trying to push through and continue to give myself the grace that I would give other people in this same situation. So that's all. I guess next time, I will talk to you guys about something more exciting and less depressing. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I hope you walked away feeling less alone. And if you're one of my friends that struggle with feeling like no one gets you, grab my journal, Messy But Grateful, on Amazon. It's filled with personal stories and blank pages for your own thoughts. It's perfect for the busy parent on the go because you can put it down, forget where you put it, and then pick it back up two months later, all while feeling like you hadn't missed a beat. And if you're one of my friends that just can't seem to stop people-pleasing, my new journal, Pieces of You, a prompted journal for recovering people-pleasers, releases later this summer. Love y'all like cake. Jacelyn. 